Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Well, hello, good morning. Welcome to Lakeside Church. My name is Chris Martinez, and I'm so glad that you came here this morning to worship with us. It is an honor. We take your time. Very valuable, and we are so thrilled that you would choose us as the place to come and worship God and to celebrate with us. Well, we are in um, week two of a four-part series that we have started um, on the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not something a lot of people talk about. Sometimes it gets like a little bit spooky. You're like, what do you mean Holy Spirit? What is the Spirit? It's easy to talk about Jesus. It's easy to talk about Jonah and the whale. It's easy to talk about um, Moses. But, But the Holy Spirit, how do you talk about a spirit? And so we're going over a few things. And I told you last week that the Holy Spirit is central to the work of Christ. I mean, that's number one. Number one, everything is all about Jesus. This is his church. We are called Christians because he was Jesus the Christ. So we're not trying to separate the Holy Spirit out from Jesus, but we're trying to just talk about the Holy Spirit in a way that would bring honor to Jesus and in a way that kind of Jesus did because the fact is Jesus was conceived by the Spirit. He was anointed with power by the Spirit at his baptism with John the Baptist. And when he went back up into heaven after his death and resurrection, he ascended to heaven and he poured out the Holy Spirit. Now, I told you last week we're going to focus on three things. We're going to focus on the fact that the Holy Spirit um, reaches the world. Jesus says that. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, next week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit changes and teaches God's people. And then the last, fourth, and final week, we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit empowers God's people to reach others. Well, let's just look at point one, point one, where it says the Holy Spirit reaches the world. Now, look, I know there's some notes in your hand. Feel free to follow along. You can fill in the blank if it helps. But this one on the screen, this one's not in your notes, but I'm just going to read it to you. It's out of the book of John, chapter 16, and it's verses 7 through 8. It says, but if I go, now that I, just so you know, in case you were not here last week, that I, that's Jesus. All right, so this is something Jesus said. And he's who it's all about. And he said, if I go, I will send him, that's the Spirit, to you. Jesus is responsible for sending the Spirit. Let's like get that together. Let's understand that, that this is part of the work of Christ. Yes, he died on the cross for our sins. And when his blood poured out, there was forgiveness. Yes, he died in our place. He took our sins so we could take have his righteousness. But he also ascended to the right hand of the Father and sent out the Spirit. Here, he's talking before his ascension, but he's telling the disciples what he is going to do. He said, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Convict. Uh-oh. Now, some of y'all said convict. Uh-uh, I'm not a convict. I don't want to be a convict. Don't look at that word convict and, and get it twisted. It's actually a word that means like convince. He wants to convince the world. Some people, you don't don't realize that God, um, Jesus, has sent the Spirit to convince the world, to convince the world about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. And I want you to see that, that when the Holy Spirit here 
is here. He's actively working. And some of you have been brought here this morning or you're listening to this podcast and you don't realize that it's God himself who has been trying to convince you of things, trying to open your eyes and reveal a greater truth to you that maybe you haven't seen before. You know, it's like those pictures when we were little. I remember used to open up the book and it'd be like fuzzy pages and you look at it and it's all just all these like fuzzy lines. But if you stared at it long enough, like something popped off the page. I remember like the Eiffel Tower or maybe one of the Great Pyramids. Like if you kind of crossed your eyes and looked at it one way, it just popped out. Well, it was there the whole time, but your eyes just had to see it. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Is he's trying to show us things and reveal things to us. And so I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit works in convicting the world or in convincing the world about sin and about righteousness and about judgment. And to do that, let's go to the book of Luke. Now, Luke wrote chapter 15, and it's a bunch of stories that Jesus told. Well, Luke 15, 1, let's go there. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Man, the notorious sinners. If you're going to be a sinner, you might as well be a notorious sinner. All right. They often came to listen to Jesus teach. Notorious sinners love Jesus. Can you believe that? Is that the type of Jesus that you know? Do you know that Jesus? Because if you don't, you know the wrong Jesus. The, re- the real Jesus sinners loved to be around him because he was loving and he was kind and he offered hope. He offered light when they were in darkness. He offered hope when they were hopeless. And these notorious sinners and tax collectors, because come on, who likes a tax collector? Um, they came and they were listening to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees, who were like religious leaders, and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was even associating with such sinful people, and he was even eating with them. Back then, there were a lot of rules around who you could and couldn't eat with. And so these Pharisees and religious leaders, they were upset that Jesus was even eating with these people. And so then Jesus, just as awesome as he is, he told them this story. Now, remember, the religious leaders are complaining about Jesus hanging around with lost people, hanging around with people who aren't good enough. In fact, he goes to tell three stories, and I'm going to highlight two of them quickly and then spend some time in the third. The first story he talks about is a shepherd searching for his sheep. A shepherd isn't anything without a sheep. In fact, that's all a shepherd's good for. A shepherd watches sheep. A shepherd without sheep isn't a shepherd. It's just some guy wandering around the desert with a stick. Because his value, his value is as one who owns sheep. And the story that Jesus tells is about a guy who had 99 sheep. And one of them goes away. Or 100 sheep, I'm sorry. And one of them disappears. And he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Like, that's how important even one sheep was. It wasn't like he said, oh, I, got, I already got 99. They can have some babies. Let that one go. No, every sheep is important to the shepherd. Every sheep. He counts every one. And when they're not there, he goes after them. And every person is important to God. And he sent the Spirit to convince them, to convince the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. Some of y'all have some kids that are wayward or they might have been backslidden, or you have some family members, and I want you to know, yes, pray for them. Yes, show the love of Christ for them, but also be encouraged that the Holy Spirit is there witnessing to them and convincing them and working. And we can pray that that would be 
even more strongly felt in their lives. The second story Jesus tells is a story about a woman looking for her coin. Now, I don't know what area y'all grow up, but I'll give a little bit of my age away. I, I had a grandma that came from Cuba, kind of like Depression-era grandma, who when money, money mattered. In fact, she left Cuba. She had nothing. They couldn't. They came with the clothes on her back. In fact, the only thing she did was she put her, her wedding ring in her shoe. She cut a hole in her shoe, and she stuffed it in there, and that's all that she had. So money was very important. So like every dollar counted. It wasn't like people today, like, oh, it's just a dollar, and they leave it on the floor. Oh, it's just a penny, and they leave it on the floor. Like every dollar counted. And like in facts, like when she passed away, um, you know, they'd open up books or they'd find little hiding places and there'd be like, you know, a, a couple 20s would fall out or a, f- a couple fives or some 10s because, because every dollar counted. And the story that Jesus tells is a woman who had 10 coins and now one is missing. And so she goes, throws a panic attack and searches the house, kind of like I do for my keys when I can't find them. You know, like she couldn't do anything without her one coin. She didn't just say, oh, I already got I already got nine of them. What do I need this one? No, she wanted every coin. And that's the father's heart. He wants every single person. God is after every single one of us. And that's one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing. And in fact, he might be revealing that to you right now, is that the Holy Spirit is trying to show you that you are valuable to God. The last story he tells... And this is the one we're going to spend some time in. Is a story about a man who has two sons. And a man has two sons, and he goes looking for one of them. Now, I want you to think about that. I have five kids. And one time, <coughs> excuse me, one time, one of my kids, he played hide-and-seek so well, we couldn't find him. He locked himself in a trunk. We had no idea where he was. It was in the middle of a day. He thought hiding in Grandpa's trunk was awesome. We didn't know where he was. We did not say, ah, well, we have four other ones. That's fine. We have enough. Four kids is enough kids. That's a lot of kids. No, we said, where's our boy? All our lives stopped and we began to search for our missing son. And and the, the point I want to get into right here is that being lost is a matter of location and not value. If you feel lost, if you feel like you're far from God, if you feel like you're one of those notorious sinners, it does not make you any more, any less valuable. It's not like the stock market. See, we're used to the stock market where things lose value, where, you know, Sears is worth something today and the next day it's bankrupt. You you never go bankrupt. You're always valuable. You're always worth it for Jesus. You're always you're always, he's, you're always, he always searches after you and he searches for you. And so let's look at this story of the prodigal son and we're going to read through it. Now, it's a lot of Bible here, okay? We're going to read a lot of this Bible story. And if and if reading the Bible is a problem, I'm, I'm sorry, find another church. I mean, I don't mean that negatively, but like we're going to read the Bible here. I'm going to try to make it make sense, but we are going to read the Bible. But to illustrate this for, point of, uh, further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons, and the younger son went to his father and said, I want my share of the inheritance um, now. Can you believe that? What a kid. Like, give me my share of the, my inheritance now, before you're even dead. Kid was kind of a jerk. But listen to his father. His father was a good guy, way better than I would be. Because if one of my kids came and said, hey, I want my share of your inheritance now, I'd hand him a credit card bill because that's about all I got. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. But I'm saying, like, who, that's a good father. So he gave his son his inheritance early. 
He agreed. A few days later, in verse 13, he packs up his bags and he moves to a distant land. And look what he did. This knucklehead wasted all his money in wild living. Just living crazy, partying and partying and partying. You picture what partying is now, probably something similar to then. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He was starving. You see, he left his location and he had no longer had provision. His value was the same, but he was not close to the father. You two, you two guys, come up here. All right, all right, all right. you stand next to me. All right, you're my son here. All right, now you you walk. Now we're gonna pretend. You're, you're, we're gonna pretend you both are my sons. All right, okay. Now now you walk that way. You walk far backwards. Keep walking. Keep walking. All right. Now pretend you're my son there. See, they're both my sons. The value of them is each the same. The only difference is, is that the one closest to me can reach my hand and be under my provision. The one that's far away from me, he'd sit out there and starve because food is where daddy is. But this guy, this son, in verse 14, he began to starve. And then he, was pers- he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. So the man is feeding pigs, which was like a no-no for Jewish people. They did not do that. He's feeding the pigs. And he was so hungry that he even looked at the pods he was feeding the pigs. And they looked good to him. Now, let me tell you something. I'm from Miami. I'm a Cuban from Miami, but we have pigs. It's like Cubans are like a little bit ghetto and a little bit redneck. And we have pigs and horses and all kinds of things in our backyard. And I'll tell you, what you fed the pigs was nasty. It was like the pot of rice that had gone bad. Yeah, you just throw it out there with the pigs. You fed the pigs basically anything. The garbage of garbage of garbage, and the pigs will eat that. It smelt so bad taking it out to the pigs. There's no way in heck you'd ever want to eat any of that. And that's how hungry this guy is. But, and then you read this. They look good to him. He even wanted to eat the pig's food. But nobody gave him anything. Verse 17, and I want you to see this in a new light. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Now, when he finally came to his senses, for many years, many times I heard this story, I thought it meant like he realized he was starving. He realized he was out there living with the pigs and that his life was like all terrible. But that was not what 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 came to his senses. What came to his senses was, when when it says it came to his senses, he realized that his father even took care of his servants. Or in other words, his father wasn't that bad after all. His father was good. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He'll convict us of our sin, and he'll convict us of the righteousness of God, the goodness of God. And in verse 18, he says, I will go home to my father, and I will say, Father, I have sinned. See, he's humbled himself. He realized he deserves judgment. Remember, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. He's right here. He realizes he sinned. He realizes the Father's righteous, and he realizes he deserves judgment. And in verse 19, he says, I'll go home and I'll say to my dad, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, the first thing the son needed to do, and this is the first thing you need to do, and it's part of our vision here, is the son realized his father was loving. 
And if you're going to fall in love with Jesus, you need to realize that he loved us first. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And he died for us when we didn't deserve it at our worst. And so the verse 20, he returns home. And look at this. And while he was still a far way off, his father saw him coming. Now, some of you have different ideas of your dad. You might think how your dad would have been on there. He would have been like waiting up on the couch, waiting for you to come home after you stayed out past your curfew. Like maybe with like your belt, his belt ready to like pull off and whoop you. Or like like my grandma, you know, the Hispanic side of my family, they would take their, their, their chancla off and throw it across the room at you and hit you with their sandal. No, but his father saw him coming. And it says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and he kissed him. See, he didn't go out there and put him down and beat him up. He runs to him and embraces him. And when God sees your heart turn towards him, see, the Holy Spirit will convict you. Holy Spirit will convince you of your sin and of the righteousness of God and the judgment you deserve. And when you turn your heart to God humbly, and say, I'm not even worthy to be called your son, God comes running to you. And in the story, we see that in the father. He runs, ran, runs to his son. He embraces him and kisses him. The son says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you, and I'm not even worthy to be called your son anymore. Keep reading verse 22. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house out and put it on him and get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. See, he didn't get the belt. He didn't get the belt or the sandal. He got a ring and he got a robe. Some of you have been so been spent so much time away from God. You're afraid if you came home to him that you would just get the belt, that God would just put a whooping on you, that you're not good enough. And what God is saying is he's sitting on the porch and he's waiting for you to come home. And this putting on the robe and putting the ring on the finger, that means he put him back in the family. He put him at his place in the family. He was a son again with full rights of a son and kill that kill the fatted calf we must celebrate a feast for the son of mine who was dead is now returned to life he was lost but now he's found see the next point i want you to write down is that the son the father received the son into the family See, God always receives you into a family. That's why here at Lakeside, we want you to fall in love with Jesus. Realize he loves you, but while you don't deserve it, he loves you whether you love him or not. He's just good. He's a good God. And number two, find a church family because when the son comes home or daughter, they always come into a family. You can't grow if you're not into a family. And some people say, well, oh, you can't do that. You can't you can't get all that back. And God says, no, put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger. God restores what the enemy had had broken and cleans him up. God will clean you up. I love this part. It says the end of 24, it says, and so the party began. Remember the son? He had left with half of his father's things to go far away, moved his location to search for a party when really the party that he was waiting for, the joy and the life that he was waiting for was right with the father all along. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing and he asked one of his servants what was going on and the servant said, your brother is back. Well, right here, I want to put a point in. 
This party begins when the sun is alive and free. When the sun is alive and free. And some of y'all are searching for freedom. You're searching for things. You, you want to party. Being Wanting to party is not a bad desire. But you do it in Jesus. You rejoice. You celebrate. You enjoy life in Jesus. When you realize God loves you and you allow him to put you back in the family, then you can truly be free. And we have to get free of the past. The son had to get the mud off of him from the pigs. He had to get the old clothes off and get the new clothes on. He had to get the mud off of his hands and the ring on his finger and then the party could start. And some of us are desiring to party, but we're not ready for it. And we have to let God get us ready to clean us up and purify us, put us back in the family so that we can live in freedom, be alive and free, be alive and free. Well, and the servants, the servants, they go and they tell the older brother in verse 27, one of the best things in there says, guess who's back? No, they said, your brother is back. He was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. You see, the brother was back. God put him right where he belonged in a family. He realized that his father loved him and his father was good. He came home. His father put him in the family. His father gave him new clothes and set him free and cleaned him up. He had a party, and now he was back as a brother. And as a brother... That meant that he had authority in that house, and he could begin to make a difference. The son could make a difference because you know what? He was back right where he belonged. He could make a difference in the lives of the servants. He could make a difference in the lives of his community. He, he was at the right location. And too many times um, we have people that are trying to make a difference, but they're doing it outside of God's love, and they're doing it outside of, out of God's family, and they're not free and they're not making the difference that, that they want to make. And it's all because they've gone about it the wrong way. It starts with realizing that, that God is good and coming home to him and getting plugged into his family. I don't care if it's here or at Lakeside. And then it goes to get free and to get cleaned up, to get a new robe and a new ring on your finger. And then it says the brother's back. And then you could do what God has created you to do because God has created you for great things. There are things inside of you that God has, good things God has created for you to do that are enormous and immeasurable and are wonderful. And if you could just get the mud off of yourself, and if you could just get cleaned up and get out of the pigsty, well, how do you get out of the pigsty? Realize your dad's not that bad, that he's not at home sitting with a belt waiting for you to come home to give you an I told you so. That he's at home waiting for you. And that he will embrace you and hug you and clean you up and put you back into the place where you can begin to be who you, you were called to be. To make the difference that you were called to make. Now there's some of you here today that I know that God has brought for a reason. <clears throat> there's some of you that are listening that I know that God is doing something special. We're going to invite the music team to come up now. And they're going to play some music. And I want you to listen. Listen to your heart. Listen. See if the voice of the Spirit is calling you home.
Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>